Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's Monday, time to talk about some Penn State football. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is Ryan Snyder, Sean Fitz, recruiting insiders and experts, and general Penn State football aficionados. We're talking about the whiteout game. Not just what happened on the field, but also the repercussions of what happened on the football field and the fallout since. Of course, we covered uh, the first thing we'll talk about here on the show today. DJ McClary will we'll wrap up his commitment to the Nittany Lions, which we announced and talked about on the breaking news yesterday. You can go check out that video after the show. But Ryan needs to get his two cents in on DJ McClary, so we'll be starting with uh, that on the show today. But we're talking to you in uh, the in the live chat here on the show. If you got any thoughts, any questions, any comments, drop them in. We'll be getting to those today. So a big, fun show for Penn State football fans. All kinds of good things to talk about. Fitz, uh, just quickly, before we get to anything else, uh, recap of the game from your perspective on what you saw unfold Saturday night. Sheer dominance, man. I mean, that was uh, that was a one-sided game like you wouldn't have you you maybe would have thought that with Iowa given the offensive reputation of Iowa um but Penn State just held them at arm's length and Iowa just tried to flail aimlessly at them did not work Penn State's defense I mean once once they got that 10 point lead as I said it, it was the biggest 10 point lead in college football right there like that is <laughs> yeah 
almost insurmountable for that offense to come through against the defense with a pulse. Penn State's defense had more than a pulse. Penn State's defense was absolutely incredible. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because Iowa schematically, like, you know, they don't do a ton different. It's like they say, every offense is pretty much the same. It's just there's there's wrinkles and things like that. Um, Iowa's offense, for whatever reason, you know, peaked at that shovel pass where they had uh, a nice little gain before that fumble. And then just nothing, just absolutely nothing. And Penn State kind of feasted yeah. on that. Um, Penn State, of course, uh, ranked, I think, number one in, in defense now. Um, you know, not everybody gets to play Iowa, so I guess that, that that factors into it. But at the same time, I mean, they were just uh, fantastic on Saturday night. We we're going to talk about the offense and Drew Drew's four touchdown passes and running the ball 57 times. But really, the defense just like played with their food all night and uh, really reaped the benefits of that one. You you said this after the game in the in the instant analysis video, and I, I think you just kind of summed it up here. When you have that felt like an FCS game. When you have that level of dominance, you don't see that normally, and it just kind of I, the whole weekend. I've been trying to find the right words for it, but you, you put it perfectly. That was like watching an FCS offense against a Big Ten defense. Ryan, any uh, any uh, concluding thoughts from what you saw on Saturday? Well, as someone who predicted, uh, I don't know, what was my score? 31 21. 21. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm not can, sure uh, if I'm it, the right guy to it's, analyze it's, the game. It's right? okay. I, I said it after the game. I predicted 13, but seven of that was coming on a punt block. So, like, and that's right. And I, I yeah. thought. I thought there'd be a little regression as far as Penn State's offense, you know, maybe giving a turnover to away, giving them some good field position. Yeah, none of that happened. Uh, 76 yards, 10th fewest in school history, which in 2023 yeah. might as well be the best defensive effort ever <laughs> yeah. because I assume a good chunk of those uh, other nine games were back in the day. Or Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to comment on that was that if you look at the numbers and, and Mike Porman on Twitter put this up and I think it was a perfectly executed, uh, all of the numbers that were better were from 1957 and before. So we're going into like <laughs> World War II's going on and they are trying to field a football team. And that's when you got some of the best defensive performances of all time. Uh, oh. Ryan. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. My day. Yeah. I was going to just say four first downs allowed. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm rattling off James's stats after the game, but incredible. 45 27, they had the ball for, for three quarters of the game. More than three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Just wild, man. Did not see it coming. I mean, my, my again, as we kind of talked about Thursday, my thought was just when I looked at Illinois, kind of how they were able to move the ball. When I look at how Illinois struggled against some other opponents, I thought, well, Iowa can't be that much worse than that. Is Penn State's defense truly as good as it seems? Yes. Yes, they absolutely are. Uh, Manny Diaz's stock, by the way, I wonder if that's going to be something we're going to be talking about here down the road because his stock right now, as far as if he's going to become a head coach, I mean, we got some big games coming up. We'll learn more. But, boy, if he's going to get back into head coaching, this offseason certainly is lining up well for that opportunity. Yeah, it's um, it's a good and a bad thing when you talk about that, when you have a, right. a coach of his caliber with that defensive successes. Um, I, I guess the point being, enjoy this right now, because uh, there are some people in, in the uh, as you always get this. You always get the people that are like, that wasn't good enough. It wasn't perfect. And uh, to those people who, who had the concerns about the offense, if you can't enjoy a 31 to nothing evisceration of a football team, 
That's a mentality issue that is not uh, an issue of the Penn State football team. Enjoy these moments while they're here. Enjoy Manny Diaz and being able to smother inferior competition. Maybe they give up plays to the to better teams in the Big Ten, but they're not giving up plays to the teams that they shouldn't give up plays to, and they are utterly dominant. And you can see it in person, not for a little bit now, because it's going to be a couple weeks before the next home game, which means you have time to plan. We have, we've talked about, we have sponsors on the show, love talking about them. They're going to help you uh, find a place to stay in Happy Valley. But the most important thing is actually getting tickets to go to the game. So TixmanGym.com. If you've been looking for a reliable source of Penn State football tickets, Jim at TixmanGym.com, formerly at PSUTixman.com, has been running his ticket exchange in Wilmington, Delaware for over 25 years. He is a two-year sponsor on the show here. Appreciate Tixman Jim. And if you want to go to the game, every ticket purchase is guaranteed from Tixman Jim. And most every ticket is going to your Ticketmaster email address. Proceeds are used to fund the PSU AA Chapter Scholarship Fund and the PSU Levi Lamb Fund for athletic scholarships. Get your home opener West Virginia tickets. That's already done. Should have deleted that from the read. <laughs> we got homecoming coming up. Homecoming is the next game. Then, of course, the big game on the, uh, the, the schedule then is um, everyone's looking forward to Michigan. We'll be talking about that in the coming weeks as well. TixmanGym.com. Contact Jim directly at 302-521-8380. Again, that's 302-521-8380. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So, Ryan, on Sunday, uh, Penn State got a commitment. After the whiteout game, and as Fitz had said earlier, the first one since 2019, DJ McClary, linebacker, committed. and wanted to get your thoughts, and, and I know you've had a chance to talk to his coach, so if you want to give some of the highlights of that article over at bluewhiteillustrated.com, which, which fans can go and read, they sign up right now um, for uh, just more context on what you were able to put into and find out about DJ McClary. So what did you, what did you glean from this commitment? incredibly productive player uh through the first couple of years of his career uh, i mean just for example i mean he's he's for for some record too he, he's actually missed i think the last two games for them uh so he's really only played about three games so far uh 33 tackles five and a half tackles for loss uh he's not playing against some of the elite top tier programs uh in new jersey uh but if he was i wouldn't still have any doubts that uh, he'd be putting up some some massive numbers so uh top ranked player in the class now number 109 in the industry rating Sean, do you think he's going to be a Mike 210? Is he? Do you think they're going to have him as a Mike? Fitz, you got you're unmuted. Just give you a heads up. We we said this yesterday on the show. I I had him as a box guy, and then I looked and I kept watching, and I'm like, well, at that size and that athleticism, the way that he closes, if he can play in space, he can play all three. Like I, I think that probably like probably a will. I, I would say the way that he attacks mm -hmm. is kind of um, reminiscent of how Penn State likes to you know, likes to play their will when they're playing at their, their, their best really. Um, so I, I would say will, but I could see a Sam just, you know, based on the, the problem is we don't have a speed numbers. We don't have a shuttle number. So like, Oh, that Oh, contraire, Sean, I got them four, oh, wow. six, 40, four, five, two shuttle at the under armor camp. Okay. Well, those under armor camps are 
laser. How do I say unreliable? But um, they're laser though. They uh, we got conversation. Okay, all right, we'll leave it to that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm um, okay. That's fine. But no, I, I just uh, I, I think he moves pretty well and well enough to play like that. Sam that can go after it, and you know, it kind of kind of reminds me. And the more I thought about it, kind of of Brandon Bell, like um, not the mm-hmm. biggest guy in the world, but like when you know he finds the ball and is able to close, he's probably not a guy that's going to run a four four, but like. When he's out there playing, he plays faster than probably what he runs in a straight line 40, which is great. And if you're watching these highlights on YouTube, like you see the, the competition is 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 different. It's not what we're used to seeing. Um, and you look at the the way that he carries his team is probably indicative of the league that he plays in. But at the same time, he, he does a heck of a job because he's that entire team. Um, so like I, I think that there's elements of several linebackers that that Penn State has recruited in the past and uh you know for, for for one this guy gets to the football and he finishes when he gets there and I think that's what you number one want to see from a from a Penn State linebacker yeah I, sure. I think you make a great point about production and the level of competition if you are not playing the highest level of competition you should be dominating and just kind of like on Saturday if you're playing an offense that can't score you should have a historic day he puts up a lot of numbers against inferior competition so I think that you you do you are concerned sometimes about is that a product of who he's playing but you know there's no equal playing field in high school across any of these players. Uh, so f- trying to find some of those clues as to, you know, his level of talent comparative to his peers without seeing him at some of these camps specifically or seeing him in a, in a all-star game or something like that. I think that that's a, a good uh, indication as well. Ryan, uh, were you able to glean anything about uh, fit with Penn State relationship, anything like that you want to give some nuggets of? Uh, and again, go to bluewhiteillustrate.com yeah. for the full story. I mean, Khalil Ahmad, right? Uh, added him in January uh, to, to really help with New Jersey recruiting. And I think this was a massive, uh, this, I'm not going to say this is his commitment, right? Obviously, Manny Diaz, the, it's it's a group effort. But but I don't know uh, if he at least commits this early without Ahmad on that staff. I mean, this was this was a big one for him. So so kudos to him and those relationships he's built and uh, to be able to keep chipping away at, the, at those North Jersey guys, really all of New Jersey. But uh but I mean, outside of that, just a good leader. That was a that was a big thing that that his coach hit home, and and you know he's playing special teams, offense, doing a little bit of everything for Schneider right now. Uh, I think when he's able to focus on linebacker, or at least his coaches really believe that, you know, when he is able to get into a program and focus on linebacker, uh, it, it should only help him, um, you know, quickly uh, become. I don't know if he's going to be a, a guy that gets on the field too too early. It's possible though, uh, but they really think that, uh, like I said, when he when he can focus on that position, it'll it'll be big for him. So. We'll see how things progress. It, it was always kind of leaning towards Penn State. If you look at his visits, he's only really been able to hit up some some regional schools. He has some excellent offers, so I'm sure some top programs will keep pushing to get him on campus. But this one always felt like Penn State's to lose, and and I don't, you know, nothing right now gives me impression he's going to end up, you know, being a guy who takes all these other visits, and and we'll see drama down the road. Uh, so Penn State isn't necessarily done. There's another commitment coming up. Uh, this afternoon, which could go Penn State's way. The recruiting prediction machine has a strong lean. So tell us, uh, guys, about the next player up on the decision docket. Fitz, tell us a little bit more about Tyke Hayes. Tyke Hayes from Aliquippa. Aliquippa, of course, you're one of the top talent producers in the region, state, um, just uh, consistently tough kids. Uh, Tyke was the number, not the number one, he was the Pennsylvania player of the year in 4A as a freshman another one of those incredibly productive guys like he's just goes out and scores touchdowns and gets on with it so 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, the, uh, the, the thing is here, of course, the second running back in the class, it's, it seems pretty early for a second running back in the class to, to combine with Keandre Barker, uh, from Texas. Um, but, uh, Hayes has been a guy that the Penn state offers a freshman. He's been on the radar for a long, long time. And he's, uh, he just keeps producing. And I think he just keeps coming back. I know there's some connections to the coaching staff as well. So like, he's a, he's a guy that if you're going to take, I'm, I don't I hesitate to call him a second back in the class because he's a pretty darn good running back. But uh, yeah. you know that's uh, that that that's an interesting step for for a Penn State who has recruited running backs very well. He has worked on his speed in the last year. You know, it, it, at times you can be a very productive running back um, at even some really great schools like Aliquippa, um, but not necessarily be the fastest guy. So he's got to continue to improve on that, and I think he's really set himself up to do so. Um, Penn State, I think, is this is one of the guys that has grown on the Penn State staff. I know Terry Smith has been on him for a long, long time um, for reasons, but uh, I think he's grown on Jay Wan Sider. He's grown on a lot of other uh, Penn State coaches as well. Ryan, just circling back to that second running back in the class, um, is Jay Wan Sider, is he working on – he's already got 2026 locked up as well with Messiah Mickens. I was going to say, is he working on 26 now? Is he working on 27? Or is he taking a vacation <laughs> recruiting? Is there a third running back in this class in 2025? How do you I, – I, I, super early, obviously. It's a dumb question to ask. Are they going to add a third running back? But with national talent out there as well in, in the upcoming class and taking a guy from Aliquippa and, of course, Keandre Barker, how do you see, I guess, the landscape of this position developing over the next couple of months? I mean, it's certainly the the main thing will just be keeping these guys firmly committed. And, and of course, Jaywan certainly will not be taking any time off of recruiting the guy overseas, South Florida, which is uh, an incredibly <laughs> busy area to oversee. Um, you know, I, I think one guy that really kind of stands out to me right now is Jabri Coleman. Just he's committed to Georgia. He didn't make it up this weekend, but was firmly planning to. All the Emmett's guys decide to stay home because of the weather. But it just I get the impression there seems to be a little more interest maybe from Coleman as, as far as uh, maybe Georgia won't be the school always. Uh, it's just consistent visits, a little more uh, relationships uh, growing there with Penn State. So just keep an eye on Coleman here down the road. But I, I don't <laughs> – it's so hard to predict another running back or a third running back down the road, right? We need to see who transfers out and how these numbers look, obviously – once the season wraps up, but uh, there's certainly a lot of talent out there, but I think the, the main job of course, will just be keeping these guys committed and seeing where things end up. Uh, Ryan asked this in the chat and I guess it, it's obliquely a conversation. These guys are still pretty young, but Ryan asks is the combination of Barker and Hayes a bit of a step back in 25 running back recruiting is what he's talking about here. Um, uh, what do you guys think in terms of the top end talent and you know what they've been able to do getting guys like Quentin Martin and Nick Singleton and these guys don't have the same recruiting profile so that I think causes some concern for fans. Uh, We've kind of seen how do you this pattern that? though. This isn't like a new pattern would you when you agree with that sean i mean you I go back to that. nick and katron you get london um oh geez london cam wallace yeah. yeah yeah thank you um you know it, and that not i'm just saying when you look at just rankings wise it's kind of been that pattern of every other year you get a top top guy and then you, you find some others who you know you think are kind of being slept on so i don't think that's a new pattern at all of course you have messiah then in 2026 and right now he's projected to be a top 100 prospect whether he ends up there or not long term who knows yeah. but as of right now he's one of only 100 guys with a four-star rating. Go ahead. And you can catch a Journey Brown in a down year. You know that you know, these these Both guys hurt. are not they're not slugs out here. Like they're they're legitimate players. They they you know the the word coming out of Barker, uh, excuse me, when he committed 
um, was that they would have taken him as a, as a 24. Like that's how good they thought he was. So I know he hasn't played this year. Um, transfer issues still appear to be holding that one up. And that's, I'm sure that's frustrating for him. I look for that every Friday and every Friday we're kind of disappointed that he's not out there yet. But uh, yeah, I think that the, there's been kind of a wave and I'm sorry, I've got phlegm in my throat today. I apologize for that. Um, there, there's been a kind of wave um, with that running back recruiting, but if you evaluate right, and you can find a guy on the downslope like Journey Brown, like they think they may have found in Cam Wallace, like, hey, you, you, the, the cream's eventually going to rise, and you know mm-hmm. you're going to end up with a running back room that uh, that you kind of uh, have set up to to or, or have set up to uh, to accomplish what they have. I, I also want to just point out watching Tyke Hayes, and I've watched his video a couple times now because we've talked about him a couple of times. This is a kid who, um, and you can go check out his Twitter profile, some of his lifting videos. He's put together, and if you watch the combination of moves that he has on film, that's a legitimate running back. That's a guy mm-hmm. with, I, I don't want to say unteachable because you do have to learn certain things when you're a running back, of, but naturally knowing when to use, when to lower his shoulder, when to you know cut in the hole, when to be elusive, when to be powerful. He shows a lot of early signs of being just that running back that's going to get you six and going to get you ten and going to get, you know, and making those big plays. In a, in a certain way, a little bit like Catron uh, uh, Allen in that he might not have elite speed, but he's got a lot of soft skills at that position that you can't ignore. And then if you improve that speed, as Fitz talked about, that is a guy that can be ultra productive within the confines of an offense. And, and it doesn't always have to be height, weight, speed. Like Quentin Martin, um, you know, incredibly fast. I think there's a lot of room to grow from a positional value uh, in his skills as a running back. Obviously, you wanted the top end talent, but there's a great blend at running black, running back where you can find guys that bring different skills to the table. So that's going to be super interesting to watch over the next couple of uh, years as this running back class gets together and all of these guys stack on one another. Um, how do you feel, I guess, about the the long term projection here, Ryan, of all these guys committed and the job that Jay Wan Sider is doing at that position, like? Does it get better than what Penn State has at the running back position and the running back coach that they have? It, tight ends, the only other room I feel like that has that kind of standard. Well, you can make the case for defensive back too, uh, recently, especially in the last couple of years, the guys they brought in. But it's a very high bar, uh, which is why I think we, we were a little surprised that Penn State was moving on Hayes this early, not because they don't like Hayes a lot, but just that the bar is so incredibly high. But as Sean yep. said, he's just a guy that continues to grow on him. Uh, moving yeah. forward, Go ahead, the bar the bar is high and the 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 net is wide. Like that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm curious how Jay Wan Sider feels about going a couple of cycles without a running back from Florida. Like not that, and I think he he could go to Florida in 2024 and make a phone call and flip a guy. Like we've talked about that before. Um, but like to essentially go to what uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania and Georgia last year and. Uh, Arkansas, Texas, Tex- yeah, Arkansas slash Texas, Pennsylvania, and then Pennsylvania. Um, that's <laughs> it, it's just a look. It's it's a product of of what we're talking about here. Penn State's been recruiting running backs at a very high level. Wherever you're from, they'll find you and and they can play. It's just it's just interesting given Sider's reputation, given Sider's relationship, and his um, outstanding uh, you know just uh, the way that he is treated in Florida. That none of those guys are from Florida, which you know they've brought Florida guys up. They brought Kevon Lee up. They brought um, uh, Kaziah Holmes up. Um, the, those guys did not work out for whatever reason. So you get a kid from Wisconsin, a couple of kids from Pennsylvania. They can deal with the weather. They can deal with the all all year round of being Pennsylvania ness. You know that's that, that's kind of 
how that works. And and all of a sudden you you react and you get some some pretty good players out of there. And again, we keep going back to it. Saquon's from Pennsylvania, Miles Sanders from Pennsylvania, Journey from Pennsylvania, Nick Singleton from Pennsylvania, Katron from Virginia. I mean, you don't have to go to Florida to get these guys. Uh, we're going to get back to recruiting in just one moment. Uh, we're going to talk about the game and kind of give a recap of everything that we saw and on our rewatches and kind of get some insight into what we took away from Penn State's win over Iowa. We're not done talking about the game just yet, but we are getting back to recruiting in just a minute. The next thing we got to get to, though, um, and, and and I know that this is going to be, um, how do I say this? Let me just say it. I'm going to show you my birthday suit. Bird Dogs is my birthday suit. Literally, these shorts, my wife got me these shorts for my birthday. This is my uh, Bird Dogs polo and my Bird Dogs hat. Head to toe in Bird Dogs. If you want to get premium quality khaki style shorts these are the seven inch inseams by the way uh the wife likes those so she got me that style for my birthday the fall collection is going to be coming out soon as we're heading into um october and november we're going to get some uh show you some more quarter zips in the near future but if you still want that look that summertime golfing look you got to get some bird dogs. These are awesome. Literally, I swear by them. My wife got them for me for my birthday. I put some of my own money into what we're talking about here with birddogs.com. And if you use promo code BWI, you can get a hydro flask style water bottle with your purchase. So get your own birthday suit from bird dogs. Uh, guys, I know you both have had your bird dogs for a while now. Tell me about your journey so far, Fitz. Uh, how? <laughs> Maybe I'm going to go to Ryan first. It looks like Fitz is still processing the birthday suit thing. Ryan, how have you enjoyed your bird dog so far? I'd wear them everywhere, man. Wore, wore, Sean and I wore the same ones for the West Virginia game. That was interesting. Uh, rocked them on, on Saturday as well. Whenever I got a long day out and uh, I can't be in my gym shorts, you know, because that's how us sports writers are, right? Usually in our gym shorts, right? <laughs> those are those are my go-tos. But uh, now I love them, man. You can swim with them. I did that a lot this summer as well. They're they're excellent. Would recommend them to anybody. I, I do agree. I love that we're upping the style level of journalists by giving them comfortable <laughs> shorts to wear and making them look much better in the comfortable shorts. Uh, Fitz. Uh, I, this is the thing. Bird dogs, they're for people that golf. They're for guys that do guy things. I am not the guy doing guy things. Fitz, how have you enjoyed your uh, birthday, your, your bird dogs uh, doing your guy things? Why would you set me up like that? I mean, come on now. <laughs> I just had to take the picture and send it to Nate and Greg of you in your birthday suit. Um, so, uh, no, I, I wear mine everywhere. I actually um, got a pair of pants, like the, the jogger pants. And I am, you know, I'm a bit awkward, 6'4". 235 like I, I have a different build and uh got complimented on them yesterday so that was uh that was fun uh, i'm not a big jogger guy not a big fashion guy but that was that was good but I, I do wear the shorts everywhere i'm i'm disappointed that it's getting cooler because i just want to wear the shorts and that's uh that's kind of where i'm at and uh, really appreciative of their sponsorship here really appreciative of their products and and it's something that we as you've noticed where we'll wear as much as possible as 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 soon as that laundry gets turned over um by by us by the way just ryan and i do laundry too i know you don't you mentioned that on the show the other day um but uh when we do our laundry the bird we, we make sure the bird dogs are in there yeah uh because if i did my laundry i would not have my bird dogs for very long or they'd turn purple uh guys let's get on to the game let's talk about penn state iowa 31 to nothing we cut co we covered it at the top of the show but i wanted to dig in a little bit more on some of your thoughts about individual situations matchups 
Um, let's start with Drew Aller, and I will have my thoughts on the offense coming up later this afternoon at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com with T. Frank's Film Room. We'll dive into some of the things I thought were really good from Drew Aller in another quiet, efficient, but low-key night. Uh, Fitz, what did you think of Drew Aller and his performance on Saturday? Well, for that, for there's some perspective from the early Franklin years, like 2014 when he came in. So he came from Vanderbilt with John Donovan, with an offense that was happy to chuck it down the field and deal with the repercussions, deal with the interceptions and things like that. It was not particularly well received when he got to Penn State. John Donovan was not long for it, but what they would do is they would call the play. And if there was a receiver running downfield, you chuck it up and you hope that at Vanderbilt, Jordan Matthews was there and, you know, at Penn State, they've had some good receivers, Chris Godwin and, and, and things like that. But you would hope that that guy would make a play on it. The, Penn State's not doing that right now. And I think that's fine because Penn State is putting guys in a position where they run them down the field. And if they're not open, that guy can check down like that guy can do different things like you know, suffice to say a pro quarterback would do if it's not there. And things have worked like that. And and that is with all the hand-wringing about not ha- not going down the field, not getting the big play, I mean, you're still scoring points. You're still over that 30-point threshold for more than anybody in the last uh, year. And it it's really just an interesting evolution of they don't need it. And I think they will. Like, let's be honest yeah. here. There's two teams on the schedule where they're going to need some big plays and go down the field and see if that works. But, like, they had the ability to – not 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 have it but spin it on its head and find the short guy find the find the guy and and make something out of it and continue moving the football which really hasn't been the hallmark of James Franklin teams over the years i mean you look back even you know when they went to Joe Moorhead it was so much about throwing the ball down the field trace yeah. uh, you know putting the ball up there those guys going to get it i don't think number one they don't i don't know that they have that receiver right now that has has gone up and been that contested catch guy but at the same time they they needed it like they that that's how they needed to move the football and that's how they opened it up for Saquon Barkley Penn State is kind of the reverse of that right now and they're getting it done without having to do that and as i said they're going to need to do it at some point and you saw against um uh, I'm sorry, I'm just mesmerized by the way he's holding that football, which is completely backwards. Um, but you saw um, when they went down the field to Liam Clifford before the half at Illinois, that's that's about as far downfield as they've gone so far. Yeah. Um, it worked, and that's good, um, but they haven't had to do that. And I think that there's there's things about, hey, the defense is playing a really high safety, so it's tough to do it. Well, I mean, they're working around those things right now. And it's frustrating for fans in the sense that you would love to see a 70 yard, you know, over the top and everything like that, but just frankly, haven't needed it. And by the way, they haven't turned the football over. So like we're choosing what to bitch at here. We got to, we got to remember that and keep that in perspective here that Penn state's offense efficiency has been, has been really good. And it's because the guy that they have a quarterback has kept the ball safe. He has, um, you know, made some really good decisions. Some of his throwaways, and it sounds really stupid saying this, some of his throwaways have been big league throwaways. Like the, oh, and, 100%. And I agree watch, with that. You watch Red Zone on Sunday, and there are big big league quarterbacks who are not making big league throwaways, and it is costing them. And I just hope Drew doesn't end up with the Jets. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, or at this point, the Broncos. My goodness, uh, that was a shocking. I, I was literally yelled out "Wow!" yesterday when I saw the the, the point totals that they gave up the other day. Um, yeah, so just a, a quick comment on that, and then I want to get to Ryan. I want to get to your thoughts. You need to on put Rob's comment up on the on the uh, on the sh- on the screen there. I just I I enjoyed that the la- the very last one. Yeah, 
what a shame we have a quarterback that actually goes through progressions. It's yes, it's tough, man. It's tough to deal with things like that. Yeah, and the that's the thing too is the the going through his progressions and then throwing the football away and not throwing into and not getting too caught up in your own sauce. That's another thing I love about Drew, and that's something that we're going to cover today. Of he takes the easy access throws, but when you try to bait him into those throws, mm-mm, mm-mm, he's not. He does not do that. He has not put the ball in harm's way a whole lot. I am interested because this is absurdly low. So average depth of target you saw coming out of that game, I knew it was going to be low, but 4.4 yards down the field. He had a lot of throws behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of stuff really short. Um, and you're right, eventually they're going to have to open up the offense, but with, with him and how he plays, you're not going to be worried about sacrificing um, turnovers for trying to get those. He's going to be, as he's talked about, calculated with how risky he is with the football. So Ryan, what's been your impression of Drew Aller so far this year and his performance from this past weekend? Uh, well, considering I spend the entire game cutting photos and trying to figure out which recruits made it here again, uh, I'm not really the guy to break him down at the moment <laughs> of being blunt. Uh, but Hey, I, I mean, we keep talking about how they have to keep, you know, eventually they have to open it up. They have to open it up. I mean, there's a reason that every time we come into a James Franklin postgame press conference, one of the first things he brings up is did they win the turnover battle and i think that is absolutely one of the most important things for them right now they are absolutely if they just continue to keep winning that turnover battle i think they're very happy with that and then when i look at michigan and, and, and ohio state like do they absolutely have to open it up do they i think that this offense they're running right now is perfectly sufficient to 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 give both those teams a battle so i think we want to say big we want to see big throws we want to see drew you know make the splashy plays that you know we, we saw him make in high school and at the all-star game and that we know he can make yeah but right now what they're doing is is just fine i let was 11 games now 10 games now 30 plus points yeah. do we have to see him throw 400 yards i don't know that we do i mean yeah. give me more throws like the one to khalil dinkins on fourth down like Yep. Where it, it needed to be in a window, it was in that window and protect, you know, in the inside that window. And it was a great yeah. catch by Dinkins, by the way, like really, really good catch by Dinkins. But give me those throws. Give me the the Clifford throw. Give me, you know, just some of those. Tyler I just, Warren in the red zone. Yeah, he likes Tyler Warren a lot. And I know <laughs> yeah. not maybe not as much as Tyler Warren likes likes whiteouts, but he likes Tyler Warren quite a bit. And I mean, that's kind of the thing here is like he's he spread all around. You know, he dropped it in a to Keandre, Keandre went and made a play like there was and then he did a dance as you as you see there um it was uh it was really just a like an all-around like, the numbers didn't blow you away but at the end of the day four touchdowns is going to feel pretty good i don't know if that he's going to get big 10 player of the week with the with the yardage total but man like when he has to do it he does it and he's and penn state is continuing its red zone when you put any defense out there for 97 plates there's going to be cracks you're, you're going to and mine on Penn State side just pummeled Iowa on both sides of the ball. Um, and when you can do that, of course, you're going to wear a, a good defense down. You're going to find find the holes and find the seams. Penn State did that. Um, but, yeah, it helps when you can squeeze that ball in there and, and do what he's been able to do um, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's not really something that we're used to seeing. I don't know if I just glitched out there or not, but yeah. I sure as hell enjoy um, watching him make some of those throws. And the – the out route was bad. The, you know, the 10 yard out route was back. And that's a, that's a throw that college quarterbacks, a lot of college quarterbacks can't make. And he makes it pretty easy. Of Trey Wallace. Um, but the ability to just move the sticks kind of whenever they want with that out pattern is just kind of game changing for that offense. 
Yeah, and that's that's. Um, I think you make a great point there about that play. Uh, this is the BWI live show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz, Ryan Snyder. We're talking about Penn State and Iowa. If you're enjoying the video, you're here uh, amongst the thousands of people watching. And don't check the numbers. It's definitely thousands of people. Please like the video. Subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube and BlueWhiteIllustrated.com to get the full breakdowns of all this stuff, including recruiting and what's happening on the field, what's happening off the field, all that stuff, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, and here on the YouTube channel, your source for Penn State football. Ryan, um, this is, I'll come to you on this one. Uh, what was the game plan for Penn State on offense? It's a trick question. The game plan was punishment. It was slogging, and it was smacking Iowa in the face. How do you feel about Penn State returning to old-school, grinded-out, decimal points in the running game sort of style whatever gets it done man uh i thought penn state's offensive line was pretty solid uh again from what i saw i thought jb nelson had a really good night i haven't i haven't rewatched the entire game yet but just from from what i've seen so far really impressed with jb nelson I, I think he's he's really growing and by the way they they rotated sal wormley and vega way more yep. than i thought uh in that game uh i think i think it speaks to vega uh and the and the the growth that he has. I mean, he, he's absolutely, I think a potential NFL guy and, and they want to get him more reps out there because he, they think he can make a difference there. So, uh, but Hey, I mean, you have two elite running backs, right? Uh, you pounded away. What was it? Was it 50 plus carries? Uh, I think in this 57 game, 57 by the end 57, of the game, I believe it was. Yeah. And so none, none from the T formation, if I'm going off of memory here, I know they, yeah, they, they, they messed that. around with a couple different formations and then they brought the quarterback sneak in, which, I, that might have been the loudest roar of the night when when Drew got under center and did a quarterback sneak for a first down. Uh, people yeah. like seeing that. And he got like five yards on it. If you want to talk about smash mouth football, they pushed for a quarterback sneak where everyone knows where it's going. They pushed the Iowa defensive line for five yards on the first one. That was that was an impressive feat from them. Uh, are you concerned about, I'm not going to say the no big runs, but just generally the concussive 3.2 Two yards, three yards. Iowa. Yeah, it was Iowa. Like, like you know, if it, that, that's what you kind of, there's still a really good defense for Iowa. I mean, they're still going to be one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. Then they put up thirty plus points. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Uh, I mean, though, they yes, uh, through four games, you, do we expect more for sure? But they're putting up points, man. They're they're winning games fairly easy right now. That's uh, not for me at least it's not it's not a worry at the moment let's let's now let's see what happens in the back half of the schedule though because they are going to need they are going to need more explosive plays to get past some of these teams coming up and and Correct. credit greg pickle the other night at halftime people were of course hand-wringing and complaining about everything um but that's the internet and yeah. greg's like he pulled the aaron Rodgers. he's like relax like the points are coming and sure enough the points came very quickly for penn state in the third quarter um, but it, it's one of those things where you watch these tight games and um, West Virginia was this way. The Rose Bowl was this way. Like you, you watch these tight games in the first half and think, OK, you're in for it. I'm sitting up there in the box thinking this one's this one's over like this one is. In, and, and that's not always going to be the case, obviously. But this one is one where Iowa cannot come back. Illinois was one where Illinois could not come back. West Virginia was one where West Virginia could not come back. And Utah was one that Utah could not come back. Those it's misleading, you know, that that halftime score is misleading when you're doing the things that you want to do and doing it as well as Penn State did it on Saturday night. Um, and I know you like to see more points and that's going to be the measuring stick for everything. And West Virginia, you miss field goals, all that kind of stuff. But 
when you are that superior, you're that dominant and superior to your opponent. It's like, uh, it's like with the, the remember the Titans offense, it's like Nova King, just give it time. It'll work. And that's what Penn state has been. They've done a, a heck of a job in turning that around and then coming out in the second half, coming out in that middle eight. Um, we're not talking about the middle eight as much anyway, or excuse me, as much anymore, but James Franklin made it a point to mention the middle eight. Um, uh, in the uh, post-game press conference. So Penn State's been doing that really well. That uh, that chunk of the game has really propelled Penn State to where they're at right now. The the one thing I think that held them back in the first half was the punting from Iowa because they start, they start within their five-yard line, I think, twice, or they were backed up a couple of times. Once the field reset at halftime and they were able to get the ball outside of the shadow of danger, and the, it seemed like the number one thing for the offense and kind of the characteristics of Aller in this game is be careful of the football, don't mess things up for the defense, don't give them free points. Once they got out of those areas where they're going to be uber careful, yeah, just... 13-play drive for a touchdown and just unrelenting smush forward from the Penn State offensive line. But the reason they were able to do that is the Penn State defense and their historic performance that we highlighted coming out of the top of the show. I talked about this on the film room yesterday. Iowa's plan of attack felt desperate from the very beginning, where they're running a shovel pass. They're running a misdirection handoff. They're doing a bunch of un-Iowa things to try and get, like, early points. And Fitz, as you mentioned, like, when they didn't get points early, this game was kind of over for them because they had one shot and they missed it with a fumble from Eric Hall. Yeah, you miss, you mentioned the field position game, and, and Iowa was... I don't want to say suffocating Penn State early, but that was that that's an Iowa game plan right there. Going playing essentially playing ping pong with that with that punter. Um Caden Saunders should let that first ball go. He did not have a great night uh, on Saturday night, but that's you know, I think we're splitting hairs there looking for looking for negatives. Um yeah. but uh yeah, I mean that 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 is the game that they want to play. And once they coughed up that football, um it's hard to believe it, but you go into even more of a shell. Um, Iowa football is already in, I think, multiple shells. It's like a Tootsie yeah. Pop commercial. Like, uh, like it, you are inside of it with Iowa. And then all of a sudden you turn the football over on the road. You know, college coaches do not like to turn the football over. They don't like to go on the road and, and you know, open things up. And Iowa didn't, didn't have the dudes to open it up anyway. So, like, that was – that was it, man. That was it. And, you know, Penn State uh, just needed a little bit of gas. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a situation where you had to sprint uh, out to anything and they uh, have played within themselves. And I think that's the most important point. And uh, when you got a first team or a first time starting quarterback, I mean, this is what you drew up. You wanted to be four, four and oh, you're going to you're gonna hopefully be five and oh um, after going to, to Northwestern this weekend, which is a challenge in itself in that Northwestern may be feeling pretty good about themselves after that comeback against Minnesota. You know, you're playing again. We're going to talk about 11 a.m. kick, aren't we? Um, <laughs> you're, you're playing oh, yeah. with all that sort of stuff on the road, but Penn State should be able to um, exert its dominance once again. And that's really been the story of the first five weeks. And I think they've found themselves, we talk about um, during the Illinois game, running inside with a purpose, running against the stack box with a purpose to figure out what you are, what your team makeup is. And I think they've done that a pretty good job of that. And you want to see more big plays. You want to see more guys busting um, ones open. You want to see those running backs getting past those little hip checks that have taken them down um, this year. But uh, man, once, uh, once you get where Penn state is at and uh, as an offense is in a good spot, once you get some of those little things like the, uh, you know, getting, getting away from the ankle tackles, you got some real potential there, and it's uh, and it's exciting to see how it's built up from the first game of the season. Uh, this is something that somebody asked me uh, this weekend 
over on each week I, I break down the film on Sunday and I, I leave, you know, I, I have running notes on the Blue White Illustrated message board. Another great reason if you want to come and have a conversation with me about the X's and O's. JBiz says Bo needs to have plays with the starters. RPO with them would be crazy. I know that it's in the fourth quarter and this is something that comes up as Trey Potts. He needs to see more runs because he's so explosive. And in the fourth quarter, he's getting all these yards. And it seems like it's such a slog in the beginning of the game. Bo Prabula, the runner, makes a dynamic difference on the run game. It's something we're going to break down uh, today on the film study is when you have that element as a quarterback. And that's why Penn State and James Franklin will never fully go away from wanting to have a mobile quarterback. It creates opportunities and makes them so much easier uh, for for the running backs uh, to to get yardage, just free yardage, and because you're putting players in conflict, et cetera, et cetera. So when it comes down to the Trey Potts conversation, the Bo Perbula conversation, this is a situation where, to me, I want to see Trey Potts in the first quarter before I say he needs to have more carries with with the offense because that was something that came up this weekend. Uh, but in terms of the defense, um, just one last thing here quickly. Um, I want to get to you guys about the 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 ability to play a complete game and ryan this is something that i think they weren't shy about afterwards penn state came in for revenge in this game on defense do you have any conversations with guys after the game uh and what did you hear and learn and read about that no i didn't leave okay. the press box sean okay. go ahead. <laughs> i mean i was working on recruiting the entire game the entire game so uh no i didn't talk to a single player after the game if i'm being honest okay right. fits <laughs> yes, I did talk to players. They were um, quite pleased with themselves. I will say that um, this is one thing Penn State avoided talking about 2021 with a purpose all week long to the media. They did not avoid it in the locker room. They did not avoid it in the speech. Penn State was personally offended um, by the comments that were made, the actions that were taken, you know, after that 2021 game. Um, and uh, yes, they harbored ill will against Iowa. Like this is, you know, just like fans do, they harbored ill will. I remember having a chat um, in the preseason and someone asked about Franklin's approach to the season. Is there anybody that stands out? And I said, no, it's one and over a week. And also Iowa, like this is one that's been circled for a long, long time. And Penn, Penn State has, I mean, the one and oh approach will get you so far, but like you saw it on Saturday night, there was celebrations, there was um, you know, it was more than Iowa thought they bit off and it was, it was great. I will say this, go read Nate's column yesterday. It will tell you about Penn state's interact or Penn state's mindset going into this game, going through this game and why they wanted to put Iowa on the bottom of their shoes and scrape them against the, uh, against the turf like that, that there was a purpose with this and it started at the top. So Go to Blue White Illustrated, read that column. It's awesome. If you are a Penn yeah. State fan and you want to feel good about that win, go check that out. Um, defensively, yeah, th I think this was, uh, I mean, I hate to do it because it's such a cliche, a revenge game for, for Penn State. And they they made their they made their point and they came out. They made their point and they also stayed within, again, staying within themselves is a theme of the offense. It's also a theme of the defense. Penn State did not let that get away from them. Of course, the Iowa came out first drive, moved the football, came out the second drive, moved the football a little bit, turned it over, and then they had 22 yards after that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it was in just an insane defensive performance. Um, got to the quarterback, forced the fumbles, 
Um, of course, Don DeLuca forced a fumble there at the end, like he always does. It, that that guy's magical. He's like the Zaki Wheatley of the linebackers. He just finds the football yeah. and some, you know, and it ends up on the ground. Um, and you can't say enough about that that defensive front. Um, they pounded Iowa. Like you don't pound Iowa. Like Iowa is the one, the two two schools in the Big Ten. Iowa and Wisconsin have the reputation that those are the schools that are going to pound you. You're going to be bruised after playing them. Even if you beat them, you're going to be bruised. That was not really the case. Penn State turned it on its head and and put they they said it in the in the postgame. They out Iowa to Iowa, which is something to say because Penn State does not have the personnel seemingly uh, on paper to do the Iowa game plan. And instead, they did the Iowa game plan. And I'm wondering if that's part of the the hubris of the way that they called the game and the way that they were able to yeah. do that. And it was it was pretty eye opening and and now Penn state's winning games like that. So that's uh that's certainly something that, that gives you a little bit of um, uh, optimism for a team like Michigan, where you're going to have to do something similar. Um, and you know, you're going in Northwestern feeling pretty good about yourself on both sides of the ball. Uh, all of that on the field sets up what we're going to talk about next, which is white out recruiting the players that made it to the game. The guys that uh, our experts here have talked to after the game to get their reactions. Of course, Ryan Snyder has been doing a great job of getting in contact with players and getting their reaction at bluewhiteillustrated.com. So once again, beating the drum of, if you want all the information, go over to the website and read, because if you're here and you're watching 45 minutes of Penn State football talk, you can have unlimited time at bluewhiteillustrated.com, getting all the information, all the comments, all of the other stuff. So, Ryan, uh, take us through uh, the where you, wherever you want to start with the reaction to the whiteout win and everything coming out of the recruiting efforts on Penn, Penn State's mm-hmm. biggest weekend. I mean, I would start with just some of the, the basic information, right? Um, uh, what we've gathered with 100, over 110, like, true potential Division One prospects. If you're looking down at that sideline the other night, you were saying, oh, man, there were more than 110 players there where there were. Uh, it was probably about 150 or so. You include teammates, friends of friends. Obviously, everybody's got parents and coaches down there, too. So it was it was massive. Uh, about So 150, I guess you say, was probably the, the total. But from what we gathered, right around 110 are like true Division One prospects. Uh, 54 scholarship players ended up attending. Four scholarship guys in the 2024 class. Of course, Ernest Willer, Jalen Harvey, big Big time players that everybody wants to talk about. I haven't spoken with them yet. I need it's one of the few negatives of doing a a Monday recruiting show. I still got to get in touch with some of those guys. Uh, Penn State also hosted linebacker Cam Lindsey, currently committed to Pitt. Uh, Wide receiver Brandon Raymond, currently committed to West Virginia. We'll see if anything goes down there down the road. I'm not expecting a whole lot, but they were on campus. Uh, 34, 2025 scholarship players. That was, of course, the the bread and butter of the list, right? Uh, I mean, 34 is a massive total uh, when it when it comes to scholarship players, guys that I think pretty much for the for the most part, not every single one of them, but a good chunk of those guys they're gonna they're gonna push hard for. And then 16, 2026 scholarship players as well. A few notable non-attendees that we were looking for. Quincy Porter, really good wide receiver who we talked about earlier or last week, wasn't able to make it. Uh, Trent Wilson wasn't able to make it. Dylan Battle out of Texas wasn't able to make it. I'm not sure how much the weather impacted Battle coming up from Texas. I got to learn more there. But I assume the weather had a little bit of an impact with Wilson and Porter because they were firmly planning to come. Uh, a group of Imitep guys didn't end up showing, again, weather-related. But I, I think the main thing was I expected the weather to impact this list more than it did, and, and it really didn't. Uh, it was still – when you look at who we had as far as projected or expected to be there, who actually showed, I mean, it was like a 90, 90 – was it 90%, 95%, Sean? I mean, it was pretty much 
uh, who we expected to be there came. And I think that just really speaks to the national appeal of the whiteout. Uh, 17 different states were represented. I mean, that's incredible. Oklahoma, Florida, Tennessee, California, Texas, uh, Florida, uh, Georgia. I mean, I could go on and on. Kansas with Lincoln Cure, who I think is going to be a stud tight end. I get it. By the, by the way. Um, but yeah, just, I, I just think the, the appeal of the whiteout and, and this is a big reason why Bryce Underwood, the top quarterback, top player in the country for 2025 was here is just how massive the whiteout has become. I mean, it, whenever I interview pretty much any kid from state West of the Mississippi, it's one of the first things they mention, And um, I think that appeals only growing and it, it really shows in a list like this. Fitz, what, what were your reactions and some of the things you were able to gather from, you know, how did things go and, and what were the reactions from some of the players or some of the situations you saw? I think, first off, Ryan makes a really good point with Underwood um, that is he necessarily going to end up at Penn State? I don't I don't think so. But like at the same time, he was a marquee visitor for a reason. Like Penn State wanted to get him in because it shows the allure of what a whiteout is. And that might be something that rings true with uh, with a 2026 recruit, 2025 that maybe wants to check out Michigan or maybe wants to check out the whiteout next year. Um, it's just such a it's just such a spectacle that you're getting the number one player in the country. If you look back to what Bryce Underwood um, has done in his recruitment, and he's he's pretty quiet, like he stays away from the spotlight a lot. But like the last two weekends, he's been at Colorado, which was the epicenter of the college football world last weekend, and then he yep. was at the Whiteout, which you can say, you know, even though Ohio State Notre Dame was obviously the game this week. You can say that that is right in the mix as the epicenter of college football, just just the spectacle itself, um, not necessarily the game. But uh, I think that's very important when you look at um, what you're what you're trying to sell and what you're trying to establish yourself as a top 10 program. Like as you know, you go up from the top 15 to go to the top 10, all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the thing that sticks out to me about uh, Underwood's presence is not necessarily like I think. Penn State's more likely to get Malik Washington out of that group of quarterbacks that was there this weekend. But at the same time, like he's a headliner for a reason. Underwood's damn good. I mean, Washington's very good as well. Um, but uh, Underwood is the guy that everybody recognizes from a national perspective. So um, I think there's that um, very few 2024 prospects anymore um, just because Penn State has, has loaded up their class so early. Of course, Jalen Harvey's been that guy like that. He's been the guy. I know Ernest Willer was there as well, but Jalen Harvey has been that guy. And it seemed for a while like USC was having that momentum. And I know it's been back and forth and no NIL is involved. And there's a lot of different wrinkles. And Penn State has felt really, really good about its chances for good reasons multiple times in this recruitment. But they haven't gotten it across the line um, to, to get back in an atmosphere like that, to get back to an atmosphere that is sort of comfortable to him because he is only three, three and a half hours from uh, Beaver Stadium, as opposed to a five-hour flight to LA, and then everything that comes with with going to LA. I think that that is something that you know it's 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 not a an eye-opening experience, but it's a reassuring, reaffirming experience for that. And I think that Penn State really helped themselves with their standing on Harvey as as the time gets closer to decide, which sounds like a fall decision is still in the works here, or a December signing day, whatever. As the time gets closer, location always becomes a bigger deal. And that's not just a Harvey thing. That is a that is a general recruiting rule. Like location becomes a bigger deal. So I think Penn State reaffirmed, reestablished itself with Jalen Harvey. And I think that they probably grabbed some of that momentum back that USC had been grabbing for, for a long time. 
So uh, we'll never stop talking about Jalen Harvey. I, I didn't even upload his highlights because we've seen them a thousand times at this point. Uh, so we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll keep you up to date on Jalen Harvey. Again, these guys do a great job of getting all that information, getting all the feedback and finding out where things stand. So uh, other guys, 2025, I know it, it was a big emphasis, as we mentioned. Who are some of the names, Ryan, that, that stood out to you that made it and uh and if you want to go back through your states i've got the highlights for a couple guys not from <laughs> pennsylvania uh dorian brew uh really good looking wide receiver out of ohio was able to make it <laughs> didn't have that <laughs> uh, he one kinda, <laughs> he kind of stands out to me uh a good bit there it, look are they going to pull a top wide receiver out of ohio Obviously, I think we all know the way Ohio State's recruiting right now, that's going to be difficult. But you got to start somewhere. And, and this was his first time on campus. And if you're going to set a, a high bar, right, for, for a first-time visit, the, the whiteout's a, a great time to do it. So let's see where that one goes. I have an interview set up with Lincoln Cure tonight, uh, tight end out of Kansas. I, I really get the impression he's emerging as one of Ty House's top guys. Uh, if you look at some of his track numbers, you know, from long jumps and how he runs and stuff, uh, just one of those like pretty special athletes. Uh, I, like I said, I still have to catch up with him tonight to get the, but I, you know, we've texted a little bit and obviously all good things uh, off the bat. So look for that interview. I'm, I'm hoping uh, tomorrow or, or Wednesday, whenever we're able to connect, connect. But I think Lincoln Cure is a guy that we're going to be talking a lot more. And this this was a really good tight end group. They had Nate Roberts here out of Oklahoma. Ryan, uh, is it Gaggy? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his last name. I, I, I'm Come on, I, I I made it 40 or 55 minutes and I haven't butchered a name yet on a podcast. That's a, that's a, that's a record. You're nailing um, it today. <laughs> but I mean, my point is, you know, they had a handful of tight ends uh, on, on campus this weekend that I, I could see, you know, them seriously pushing for. And I think Lincoln Cure, who's like one of their more recent offers, I believe uh, they've offered within the last month or so. I, I think he's a guy that's that's really shooting up their board fast. But uh, like I said, uh, Marcus, Marcus Harris made it. Jake Flores made it. Both California guys. I had a good talk with Jake. Uh, he has family from Virginia. Uh, so, you know, when we're looking at California, right, like, oh, come on, is he realistically going to end up at Penn State? Well, there are strong family ties in Virginia area. So I, I do think that's a, a guy to keep an eye on. True 6'6", six, six, uh, got his measurables there up to 265, 275, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, so looking like a like a solid offensive tackle prospect. Jay, uh, Troutwine went out to see him in the spring as well. So he, he seems to be someone that, that Trout's pretty uh, interested in. Uh, we did get up. We did get updated measurements on Ernest Willer. Uh, and, and he actually is pretty much held firm uh, right where we expected. He looked a little skinnier in, in some of the videos we've seen, and we were kind of wondering, is he a DN? Is he a D lineman? Uh, but he is legit, you know, 6'3", 255 still. That was a big thing coming in this weekend was, uh, has he lost weight? What's he look like? Let's let's get some accurate measurements on there. And, and that's some of the feedback I've received so far. But, I mean, if you just check out the recruit reactions, they, they – um, I haven't added them. I, I worked on until about noon yesterday. I think there's about 30 or so players in there. I, I think you'll get a really good feel for why the whiteout special, what these recruits see. Um, and, and it's not just about the, the it's not just about the screaming and the, and, and the noise and stuff. I think a lot of it, I mean, so many guys rave about the fact that they're on the sidelines and props to all the students I, that uh, pay attention to recruiting. But, you know, so many guys saying, Hey, so-and-so, you know, come to Penn state and, so many recruits are always shocked at the fact that fans and, and, and students actually know who they are. 
uh, when they're walking down the sideline there. So now a lot of good feedback. Uh, we'll have a look. We've got three. Well, we got three, four weeks uh, until we got a, another massive game here. So we're going to have uh, a ton of recruiting reactions over the next week or two. I didn't want to throw them all out there yesterday. <laughs> and then uh, in, in a week from now, I not only have so Listen, much to talk about. Go ahead. Do not disrespect UMass with all of the players coming from New England. I'm sure it's going to have a massive effect on New England recruiting with the with the Liam Andrews of the world. <laughs> See Paul King here. He donated to the channel. I want to make sure we recognize his comment here in the chat. I always appreciate people who donate to the channel. Keep the lights on for us. Uh, keeps me employed. Super appreciative of that. Uh, C. Paul King says, totally agree, Stephen Light, talking about Iowa in the chat here, waiting for this one for a while. So fans up on uh, and enjoying the Iowa win. Their fans, players, and coaches are all delusional. Imagine thinking your team is all that, then getting totally dismantled. So the reversal uh, on Iowa this year, super satisfying for Penn State football fans. Uh, we got a Winston to talk about. Fitz, uh, I know you love the Winston family. Ryan, you were able to talk to Kanoa, is that correct? You you talked to him uh, this yeah, weekend Kai as well. Kainoa, yeah, okay. and, it was, and I, I was the one saying Kanoa for a while. I, I firmly clarify Kainoa, but uh, yeah, I just think it's big for him. Third visit uh, in a row, right? Uh, still hasn't visited another school. Uh, came for the Lash Bash, came for W uh, W. Excuse me, the West Virginia game, and now uh, back for the Whiteout. I just think uh, speaks to speaks highly to where this recruitment's headed. Uh, was able to talk to KJ a little bit after the game, said KJ was uh, was on him hard about uh, just shutting down his recruitment and committing now. Uh, he's got to get out to some other schools. I know USC, Oregon, Ohio State, they all seem to have his interest, which is interesting. You know, you know with those schools joining the Big Ten, they were all recruiting him pretty hard. So let's see if he's able to take some more visits. But I, I do think it's pretty notable here, you know, three straight visits. Wouldn't be shocked if there's a four straight visit if he's able to make it up for Michigan or another game later in the year. But uh, – Certainly a guy pretty high on their board. And, um, you know, as we tweeted out yesterday, Penn State will take all the Winstons they can get. Yeah, Fitz, any any thoughts here? Number one, I love Gonzaga home field film because it's got the building in the background. It's just one of the unique settings you don't see every every day. And I love that's one of the things I love about watching a high school film is every every field's different. Every field is built into to something different. And if they show there, you got the big building in the background. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. And we, it's been like that for for obviously a long time, but uh, no, it's, it's really awesome. But as far as Winston goes, two things here, um, he's a different style safety than his cousin. He's faster, I think, than his cousin um, at the, it was at that point. He's not a big guy. He's just a shade over five ten, So he's going to have to play a little bit different, but he closes and he gets there. He gets the ball fast. We saw him at camp. He's got a nose for the football. He's got a lot of things. And I think that, you know, he's a guy that Penn state would, would take, um, you know, without thinking too much about it. And on the second thing, T Frank, going back to you, uh, KJ Winston's ability to cover in man coverage at that size. Um, he, he's done it a couple times in the last few weeks. Um, and he's been like, bang, bang. He's been right there. Like how much does that help this defense in terms of like, he's essentially a nickelback yeah. playing safety. Yeah. I mean, so he's, he's playing the tick Brown role on third down too. So his ability to play with versatility and line up in the slot, I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that they haven't missed a beat with without tig brown out there but he is once he gets into it uh, he could as we talked about like he has more physical potential than most safeties you're gonna see and when you can line up your boundary safety in the slot virtually you can do whatever you want i mean you can do just from a flexibility standpoint you can you can rotate safeties you can disguise different ways you can throw things at uh, other teams that they're not predicting it's something we haven't seen last week 
Blitzing from the slot is a Manny Diaz special. So, you know, there's just a bunch of different things you could do with a guy like that. Fitz, uh, when it comes to Kainoa, he's a little bigger, but a little bit of a King Mac vibe in terms of explosive, a uh, little bit, maybe not the biggest guy in the world, but physical and hits above his weight. Yeah, you have to be a special player to play at that size. And it's, it's a big game for big people. And I know people don't like to hear that because they want to root for the underdog. But, you know, Kanoa at... We have him. We have him five ten and a half. Okay, so we have him accurate. Like you're, you're going to have to be special in that sense. You're going to have to have a different level of ball skills. It's one of the reasons that we thought that King Mac would play right away, as opposed to a Dakari Nelson, because Dakari has to not only learn the speed of the college game, but also learn how to play at that size. You know, when everybody else is around him is big. King's not going to have that issue, and Kano is not going to. Eric Kano is not going to have that issue. Um, they can play. You can sort of drop those guys in a little bit earlier, and they can play right away because they're used to they're used to dealing with with sort of being a smaller guy out there. So yes, I, I, I hesitate to compare anyone to King Mac because I really like what we've seen from King so far. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the mold, I think that makes sense. Yeah. I just, it struck me while we was, while we were watching his highlights there of you're right, not the biggest guy in the world, but he looks bigger cause he plays bigger. And I always love guys that do that because you get the best of both worlds at that point, just like uh, KJ Winston who plays like he's smaller you you get that blend of the ability to put them in different situations. That's that's Ryan, a good point. Like if you're if you're six three, you have to learn how to play like you're six foot. If you're five ten, you have to learn like to play like you're six foot. And it's easy. I think it's easier to go up than it is to go down. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, we bounce around the list. Long term perspective, maybe you know that you know uh, Dakari may end up being the higher rated guy in draft talks in three or four years. But at the same time, like you're, you're looking at that floor ceiling battle, and that's 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 fairly standard. Yeah, and it's always hard to find the true ceiling of a player because that it goes down to them individually and then all the things that go into the story of a certain player. We talked about Landon Tangwall on the postgame show. Somebody wanted to say that other players are better than Landon Tangwall. We don't know what Landon Tangwall will ever be because of all of the injuries, so you never know truly what a player's ceiling is. Ryan, um, we bounce around the list a little bit. Is there anyone else you wanted to highlight before we get out of here? Because we're we're getting to the end of the show, and I don't want to keep you guys forever. We could we could go all day on this one. And fortunately, like I said, we've got a couple weeks of kind <laughs> of slow recruiting list, right? Or bye weeks, away games, and, and UMass, of course. I know, don't overlook UMass. But I mean, I would say Cortez <laughs> Cortez Harris made it down. You know, good looking edge rusher uh, out of Maryland. Uh, right now, he's ranked fifty six in the country. I think this was. I think this was his first visit. It's his first visit. I have marked at least on his profile. I, I want to say he was here with the Matha maybe for a camp down the road or in, in previous years, Sean. But he was exactly sure. he was not with the Matha when they were at because I remember the specifically okay. he was not with the Matha anymore when they were at the team camp this summer. And then he transferred. He was supposed to go to St. Francis, and then he popped right. up at Riverdale Baptist, which is a bunch of guys have popped up at Riverdale Baptist for this season. Um, so that's Zach McPherson's old school. I think uh, Terry Castro Fields ended up there. Yep. Um, so that's an interesting spin there in the Maryland uh, private school circ- circles as you're getting, you know, a little bit more of that spread out. And Riverdale seems to be, uh, you know, one of those schools that's benefiting from that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Marquise Davis is a good looking athlete out of Cleveland. He, I think Penn State's recruiting as a running back, though. So I don't know where that's going to go. But he, he's a pretty good athlete. Again, uh, an Ohio guy. You know, let's see where that goes. Another Ohio guy, though, 2026 cornerback, Elbert Hill. He was really impressive at Penn State's camp this year. Already holds a four star rating. Again, one of only 100 prospects right now in 2026 to earn that. I think he's going to be a guy we talk about a lot. Got to mention Kendra Harrison as well. Another really impressive looking tight end prospect. Uh, out of North Carolina. He actually left Penn State with a basketball offer uh, as well this weekend. 
Go ahead, I was standing, I was standing, I was sitting down there um, before the game and Mike Rhodes was walking up and he walks toward the football line and he daps up, a, you know, one of the recruits. And I'm like, that's odd. And then I looked and it was Kendra Harrison. Like he had, I guess, visited with Rhodes earlier that day. I would assume so. I think uh, Nate has been trying to nail down the details of that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, to, to be a 2026, to have high major offers in both, uh, you might be something special there. And we talked about that great tight end room a little bit earlier that was visiting this weekend and, and Harrison may, may end up being the best of them all. Yeah. Yeah. That actually was funny because <laughs> we moved on after I brought them up earlier and I, and I, and I realized I didn't mention him cause he's 2026, 20, but he actually I, is certainly seems like the guy right now who's kind of standing out. I mean, he, it, let's see where things go, but kind of could be like a top 50 or so prospect. So let's see, but uh, Max Riley made it as well. The, the really good uh, offensive tackle out of Ohio again, Ohio. <laughs> I don't want to be too negative there, but let's just, let's see where things go down the road. Marcelo Vitti, I think is a really good looking safety prospect out of Michigan. Doesn't have a, a rating yet by on three, but this is a player who I think we're going to be talking about as a four-star prospect down the road. And uh, can't, can't not mention Maxwell Roy after everybody was asking about him on the message board throughout the week. I have interviewed lined up with him here in the next day or two and obviously we'll get his reactions uh when he's able to talk over the phone a little bit but great list man uh everything i think penn state fans could want as far as uh maximizing the whiteout this year and like i like i mentioned earlier i i thought the weather was going to have a bigger impact than it did so really speaks to penn state as a team right now where they're at as far as uh you know on the field and, and grabbing eyes there and the whiteout's as big as it's ever been i love it we got uh, a basketball update. We got a bunch of names on the recruiting list. And uh, that was all in an extra five minutes. It's a whiteout size show. You got an extra five minutes of talk here because we're talking about everything from this past weekend. Uh, guys, thank you so much for all of your uh, information here on the show. Fitz, you got something? Yes, I'm not done yet. Two things. We can put Greg's okay. um, thing up from the chat on the board and... We have to bring up Preston Carey's suit. I don't know if you have that handy or not. Oh, uh, yes, that was, I do. That was impressive. He was wearing a full whiteout suit. Um, we can drop the, oh, there it is. Full head-to-toe suit. Um, really impressive. 2026 defensive lineman from New York. There it is. Nate's golf game is slipping. I just want to get that up there. Um, but uh, that's amazing. When you get that sort of buy-in, I know this, this kid's been all over the place in terms of visiting schools and things like that. He's very uh, accelerated in his recruitment. But I mean, you got to give it to him. He's wearing a full white, full white suit. I would not have the confidence to pull that off as a high school sophomore. So good for, good for Preston Carey. I wanted to get that one in because that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Check out the site on BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Had our best day of the year, um, maybe our best day ever um, on Sunday. People are buying into this team. People are buying into our coverage of this team, I think as well. Um, Again, go check out Nate's stuff. Go check out our impressions, our reactions, our recruiting stuff. Um, it's, uh, I think we're taking it to another level here and we want you to be a part of it. Um, with, with blue White illustrated, we had our big game special last week. Um, very good reaction on that as well, but uh, big, big day on the site. I think Penn state fans very excited. And I think with good reason. Well, check all that out. Fitz, you did an awesome job recapping and uh, getting us out of here. So we'll be back on Wednesday with more talk about Penn state football. I'll be recapping the game on the KSN show. And of course, James Franklin's press conference, because the day and the march never stops to the next game. Northwestern coming up, previewing all of that. We'll talk to you next time. Madness is here. 
Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 